Welcome, good to see you this morning. And for those who are listening online, glad you are listening as well. Uh, this we are in a we are in a series. This is week three of we're not sure how many weeks, but it's this is week three of a series we've called Making History. It's also called You Had to Be There because certain parts of this are not online. So if you're listening online, you have missed some of the most amazing parts. What we, I've been attempting to do is share one message over four weeks, and so to, to this morning, I want to share just a a little part and tie it in with what Nelly shared this morning. So um, uh, I guess to just even in transition, it's a little bit difficult, but, but this question would be, have you ever been to an event or a place and you, you had that thought come to your mind, like who invited that guy, you know, or who invited her to this? You know, you like, maybe it was, you know, a party, maybe it was a wedding, maybe it was something, but you're like, who invited that guy? And, and when I started Googling, you know, who invited that guy, I just, I got lost for a while, but I found some things that I thought I would show you, you know, like, I, I just love this one, you know, somebody doesn't belong here, you know, who, who invited that guy? Uh, and, then, and then this one, you know, who invited that girl to this party? Uh, or maybe it was a wedding, you know, like, who invited that guy? <laughs> or, or this one, this is my favorite, right? Uh, Maybe it's a sporting event, you know, at the Leaf game, it's like, who invited that guy? And when I saw this, all of a sudden I was reminded of a story in my life that just really hit home. A number of years ago, Holland made it to the finals of the World Cup. It was uh, incredible. We, they, they made it all the way, and so it was a Sunday afternoon, and we, uh, the Dutch, there's a number of Dutch people in this uh, community here, and so we, we invited as many as we could over to my in-law's place, and we were going to have a huge reina party, right? And so everything was orange, and every, you know, everybody we, we knew was coming there to watch Holland just whoop Spain, and so uh, we all gathered there, and there was all these orange jerseys, probably 60 people, and then there was these two people who came in Spain jerseys, and we're like looking at them like, you know you're at the wrong party, right? And they came in, and, and uh, as we're watching the game, there were so many of us, we had to have it on two TVs, one upstairs and one downstairs. Well, the downstairs TV was about 10 seconds delayed from the upstairs TV. And so we're all sitting downstairs watching this game, and all, then all of a sudden we hear upstairs, like bodies hitting the floor, like in just screams of like, no! Uh, Iniesta from Spain had scored, and the Dutch were just like, you know, it was close to the end of the game, and you could hear, and we're just, we knew that they knew that we were 10 seconds behind, and we're like, yeah, they're just joking, right? They're just trying to mess with us, and then, then we watch as little Iniesta starts moving up the field, and we're like, no, 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 this can't be happening, and sure, shortly after, 10 seconds later, here we are all, you know, in tears uh, as Holland is, is losing, and then you see these two people on the other couch, I won't name names, but it was Sam and Ricky Lee Bunting, and they're like, yes! <laughs> And we all look over like, you're not cheering right now. Like, who invited them, right? They're not allowed to be here. I know that's like, um, that's like eight years ago, but it feels like yesterday. You know, I remember, we remember things like that. You know, remember like, hey, who, who, who invited them? And maybe, maybe you've been a part of like an awkward invitation before. Maybe you were like, you know, you're talking about a party or maybe it's even worse. Like other people are talking about a party and you're like, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, wait a second, I, I wasn't invited to that party. I'm, I'm like, uh, and then all of a sudden they're like, uh, they realize you haven't been invited to the party. And so then they say things like, well, it's not going to be that good. But if you really want to come, like, you, you, I guess you could. And then you're like, no, no, I'm not going. I'm busy. I have, like, an important life, right? And, like, you go home and just wait for the Facebook pictures to come up. And, and then, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> that only happens in high school, right? But, but uh, 
You know, those awkward invitations, you, you remember not being invited, or you remember being invited. This week, I had this, this awkward invitation story. Uh, Catherine Baird is a great painter. She's painting at her house, and so then Beth was cooking dinner for her. She's like, you know, you should invite her husband, Rick. I'm like, we should invite Rick, and so I'm like, I'll text him, and so I text Rick, and here's our conversation. Hey, Rick, you got time to come over for dinner before men's group? Uh, we're going to eat between 5.30 and 6, and then he says, sorry, I'm cooking for Lori and I as we speak. Thank you for offering. I'm like, who's Lori? I'm like, does Catherine know there's a Lori? I'm just like, this is, this is not good. And I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, no. Like, RB is not Rick Baird. It's Rick Beal. And I'm like, whoops. I'm like, oh, man, how do I uninvite now? I'm like, thank goodness he's busy. I'm like, oh, wrong, Rick. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, maybe he'll forget, you know, and it'll all be good. But no, he comes that night to Ben's group and says, hey, y'all, rain check. We'll come over still. I'm like, I'm glad he came to church still, you know. But... But, but, you know, we remember those, like those awkward invitation moments as well. And as a kid, you know, the, the worst insult you could have was like when kids are like, I'm having a party and you're not invited, right? That happened to me quite often as a child. And so maybe for you, but you, you remember those things. We, we remember the invitations in our life. And, and I would just challenge the Jesus followers here this morning, or if you've come to church, you qualify. Uh, how many of you remember the person who invited you to church? Yeah, a few. Yeah, some hands are going up. I mean, just think about it for a second. Um, maybe, you know, it was like, maybe it was a neighbor, a friend, a family member. Maybe it was Baptist Row. Maybe that's how it happened for you. I, I, I vaguely remember mine. My parents were like, you're a week old now. You're coming to church with us. Uh, and so for the rest of my life, I was part of church. It was kind of an invitation. Um, but even more so than that, I think as we heard in the story, that there's, a, there's not just about being invited to church, but this invitation to become a follower of Jesus, this invitation to, um, to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? Do you remember the person who shared that with you? Do you remember, I, I think for me, maybe, you know, maybe it was a camp or maybe it was a conference, maybe it was at church. I remember it vividly. It, I was 12 years old, and, and this was the lady who in, invited me to church. Her was my Sunday school teacher. Her name was Gerhild Fulson. I Googled Gerhild, and it came up. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is her. And so I was 12. She was much more active and excited about, you know, and serving kids. Now she's relaxing. It's, uh, but it was just her passion for the Lord and her passion for kids is what prompted her to explain to me and help me to understand that Jesus wanted a personal relationship with me. And I, could, I couldn't believe it, but uh, I did. And it, my life was changed as a result. She's now using her passion for the word and, uh, her, and combining it with German recipes to actually develop a website of Christian material that's uh, in German so that her friends and family from Germany and anybody from Germany would have the chance to know the Lord because it's a very unreached country. And it's a powerful thought that she's just using her passion for what God has given her to reach those who are uh, around her, to reach others for Christ. Just using simply what she had and where she was. And my life is a result of that. I'm thankful for that. Uh, and you know, that's, that's not new, this idea of using what you have and where you are. John, uh, there was a, a follower of Jesus. He was there. He began to write about how the very first followers of Jesus followed Jesus. So if you have your Bible or you can follow along, if you don't have a Bible, there's a free one back there for you. You can grab it, but you can check to see if I'm telling you the truth. But John, in John chapter 1, he wrote this story about how there was uh, this other guy named John, a baptizer, John the Baptist, but he wasn't Baptist. He was John the baptizer and, and how he was baptizing people in the river and all these crowds would come. And as they were there, all of a sudden he points out one day, he's like, whoa, look. 
He says, that, that man, everybody look at this man. This, this is the lamb that God sent to take away the sin of the whole world. Basically said, hey, look, there's the savior of the whole world. And there was this man named Andrew there. And here we'll pick up the story, John chapter 1, verse 40. It says, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what John said. And then he followed Jesus. Verse 41, it says this. This is the very next thing. He says, Andrew went to find his brother. He went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said to him, your name's Simon, son of John, but you're going to be called Cephas. You're going to be called Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. So here, here's this, this thing where Jesus says, you know, Andrew starts following Jesus. And he's like, man, this is him. I found, I found Jesus. I found the Savior of the world. I got to tell somebody about this. And who does he go to? He goes to his brother. Do you realize that Peter, you know, Andrew didn't, we don't have any writings of Andrew. But Peter, Peter wrote 1 Peter. Peter wrote 2 Peter. Peter hung around with this guy named Mark and said, hey, here, write down everything I tell you. And it's the gospel of Mark was written, uh, a big part of it was written under the influence of Peter. We have all of that because somebody went and told their brother, hey, I found Jesus. Then in verse 43, Jesus the next day went to Galilee and he found Philip. And so Jesus said to him, come, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, which is Andrew and Peter's hometown in verse 45. Now Philip went to look for Nathanael. We don't know the relation, but he went and found him. And he says, hey, we found the very uh, person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name's Jesus. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Philip's like, Nazareth? Whatever good came from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And what does Philip say? Well, you know what? I don't know, but come and see for yourself. Just come and see for yourself. Here we have, in this story alone, half the disciples in this story would not be disciples if someone hadn't gone and said, hey, <laughs> come with me. Come and see for yourself. Jesus had been invited to a dinner at one of the Pharisees' homes, and he went because he was invited. Uh, and so it says that uh, as he was at this guy's home, he would often tell stories about what people knew to explain to them things that they didn't know, and they were called parables. So he'd talk to shepherds about sheep. He'd talk to fishermen about fish. He'd talk to lawyers about the law. And as he's sitting down for dinner, he says, well, let's just talk about dinner stuff. And so he begins to give them like these dinner etiquette lessons. Jesus is sitting there, and he says to, the, he says to all the people who are gathering in there trying to get the best seat, he's like, you know, fellas, like really, he says, you really shouldn't come to dinner and try and sit in the, in the, in the top seat the most important seed, the head of the table. He said, because if somebody more important comes, they're going to make you move. And there's not going to be anywhere for you to sit except in the, you know, the far end of the table. And so they're like, oh, okay. And so everybody moves down. He says, the best thing to do is actually fight for that one. Sit down at the very bottom. And then when, when the master of the house comes and says, what are you sitting there for? Hey, we got this awesome seat up here. And you'll be honored in front of all your friends. I'm like, oh, okay. That, wow, this guy, he, he thinks differently. Then he says to the master of the house, he says, hey, you know, you invited us all over for dinner, which is really cool. But as I look around the table, I see that all of these people are pretty rich. You know, you're serving us, you know, roast beef. But what you're hoping for is that these guys are going to serve you steak dinners when they have their barbecue. You're inviting just rich people who can pay you back. He's like, really? He says, if you really want to be rewarded, just invite people who can't ever pay you back. And they all look around like, nobody does that. Like, this, this is really different. Then one guy all of a sudden says, you know, Jesus, the way you describe dinners." The dinner in your kingdom someday, is, it's, it's got to be amazing. It's so different than what we have, but it really sounds awesome. And here's what Jesus says to him. Luke chapter 14. Luke was a guy who, he, he asked a lot of questions of eyewitnesses. He says, I want to make sure the details are right. He wrote this. Verse 16, Jesus replied with a story. It's because what he did. You tell stories. People connect with stories. He says, a man prepared a great pe uh, feast 
And he sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants. He sent his followers. He sent his disciples to tell the guests, come, the banquet's ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. You know, it's all, it's like, just for, for here, like, I just got a new car. It's like 10 horsepower, whatever, right? I want to try it out. The next one's like, I just got married, so I can't come. And all the husbands were like, eh, we know you. <laughs> just kidding. Just make sure you're still listening. People have just decided they're leaving this church. I know. All right, so for, verse 21, he says, the servants return. And they told the master what the excuses that had been given to them. And the master was furious. And so he said this. He says, you know what? Go. They're not coming, but you go. Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor. This word invites not the same word as before. He, before he sent out an invitation to say, hey, you know, hey, come, to, come to the dinner. This time he says, listen, go out and, and take them by the hand and lead them. That's what this is. And what does he say? Go invite who? Go invite the poor. Go invite the crippled, the blind, the lame. Go find hurting people and lead them in. He says, and after the servants had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. Go to Balmoral or like those, un, those places way out in the middle of nowhere and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. For none of those that I first invited will even get the smallest taste of the banquet. He was saying, listen, the, pe- the first people I invited, which he was talking about Israel, it's not that they couldn't come. It's they, they, they wouldn't come. They decided they weren't going to go. And he's like, you know what? If they don't want it, there's others who do. There's people that are hurting. Go find them and lead them in. And then he said, go out, out. And he's like, urge. He's like, just compel them. Give them, give them no reason why they shouldn't come. And I love Baptist Rose's um, illustration of, who's just like, I just had no reason not to go anymore. The, the, the way I watched these people, I just I had no reason not to go. What did this master do? He sent his servants out so that they would bring people in. He sent his followers out so that they would bring people in. Just go invite everyone. And for some, you're like, well, I don't, I don't know if we invite people. Like, what are they going to say? Well, here's a thought for you. You're not responsible for their response. You've been chosen to give them a choice. You're not responsible for their response. You've been chosen to give them a choice. I, I made that up. I thought I was... <laughs> I thought that was pretty good, you know, responsible response, chosen choice. I I hope you you tweet that or remember that, right? You're, but it's true for you. You are not responsible for their response, but you have been chosen to give them a choice. Lives like Vanessa, lives like Bev, lives like Nellie, lives like me, lives like you can be personally affected and powerfully affected for Christ as a result, but only if they've been given a choice. Romans chapter 10 is this, last verse today. But Paul wrote to New Testament believers and lived in Rome. He says, this is it. He said, the message that we talk about, the message that we're offering to people, this message about faith that we're preaching is this. He says, for anyone, if you would openly declare that Jesus is Lord, if you would believe that in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he says, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone, Anyone. Who's anyone? Anyone's anyone. He says anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. That's for Jews and Gentiles. It's the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And verse 13 says this, for everyone, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what your past looks like, no no matter what you've done, no matter the guilt, the shame, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
He can pick up the pieces and he can put something back together. He can save a life. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And what a powerful thought that is. But he doesn't stop there. He says in the next verse, but how can they call on him? How, how will they even know? How will they in their brokenness even know that they can call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who go and tell others. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? But faith comes from hearing. For those who get a chance to hear, they can have that chance to believe. And by believing, they might be able to call on him. And by calling on him, they might be saved. It's that good news of Christ. He's basically saying, you've been sent out. Like, I thought that was your job. No. He said, for followers of Jesus, every single follower of Jesus, you've been sent out to invite others in. You've been sent out to invite others in. So in closing this morning, for those of you who are Jesus followers here, what's holding you back? What is hindering you from inviting others in? Maybe like you, it's their response. And you're like, what? they might say no. Hey, do you want to come to church? No, don't ask me again. Okay. Is that the worst thing possible? Hey, can I tell you what Christ has done in my life? No. Okay. Is it the worst possible thing? You know, I always used to come up with my kind of own excuse, like being like the pastor of the church. I was like, it's kind of hard for me to go to my neighbors and say, hey, uh, you want to wake up early on Sunday morning and come hear me talk for an hour? <laughs> I was like, nobody's going to want to answer that, yes. But I realized, you know, by saying that, I've never given them the opportunity to make their own decisions. Their response, not your responsibility, but their option to choose is. Maybe you'll have the chance to tell your story. Maybe you'll have the chance to impact someone uh, else. Maybe you're going to invite someone to church this Easter when people likely will say, yeah, sure, yeah, I, I haven't been to church, sure. Jesus started it. His disciples continued it. But you are part of history. You have the chance to make his story. This whole idea of the church, was, it, it includes you. Why? Because just outside these walls, there are thousands of people who don't know that God loves them. There are thousands of people who don't know that there's hope. There are thousands of people who don't know that there's an option, that there's something other than what they have seen and what they've experienced. People don't know what people don't know. Found this this week. We, you might think, man, we live in Canada. There's churches everywhere. Like, everybody's had to have heard of Jesus. Not true. Had some guys working at my house this week, and I have John 3.16 printed in my garage. Not because I, I didn't put it there. I thought it was a sign I was supposed to buy the house. It was there when I got there. You know, like, this is a pastor's house for sure, right? Some guys, John 3, it, there's no verse. It's just John 3.16. That's all that's on my garage wall. And as they were working there, the one guy's like asking Daryl, hey, what does, that, what does that mean? And Daryl had a chance to explain to him a little bit about what that means, we had a lady come to our church who was doing a paper for her school. She had to go and do a paper on something to do with churches. And so she, she asked Jackie Constable, hey, can, is it okay if I, like, invite myself to come see your church? Like, is that allowed? Like, are, are we allowed to go? And we're like, uh, it's on the sign. Like, all welcome. But they don't know. People, why? Because people don't go where they're not invited. And if you do, we don't like you. Right? We don't like it if people show up at our house and just like, hey, thought I'd come over. What's for dinner? But we think that they might just decide they're going to come here. Oh, that's happened. All right. 
you know what? It's why we're building a church for unchurched people. It's why we're thinking about those out there who haven't yet been invited in. And so it gets me to the question I started with is the one that I want to leave you with is, who invited that guy? Who invited that girl? Who invited that guy in your, you know, in your class at school? Has anyone? Who invited that, that, that girl in the smoke pit at, at recess or whatever they call that in high school? <laughs> has anyone? I didn't go to high school. But, but, but has anyone? Who, who invited that, that, that jerk at your office that you work with and everybody tries to avoid? Has anyone ever invited him? What about your neighbor? Who invited that woman? Has anyone? Because I, I would hate to stand, you know, at the end of my life, to stand before the Lord and, and have that thought saying, hey, I, I put you on that street so that you would be a light that shines in that place, that you would have people around you that you could invite. Did you invite anyone? I'm trying to reach them through you. Did you give them a choice to come in? Well, they might have said no, but they might have said yes. What's hindering you from inviting someone? I don't know the whole story. Invite them to hear someone else's story. I don't have all the words. Invite them just to come to church. It's a great place to hang out, no? I think so. And for those of you here this morning that, you know, we believe someone invited people who don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. You just came. Somebody promised you free lunch after. And you're like, hey, just come to church and we'll take you out or whatever. Uh, this morning, I just want to let you know that you've been not just invited here. That it's bigger than that. That you've been invited not to join a church, not to join a religion, not to follow some rules. You've been invited to know the God of the universe. He's inviting you in. You're like, well, I got all this stuff I got to get right. He's also taken care of all of that and invited you into forgiveness. He's invited you into the spot where you can walk through life without guilt, that you can wake up every morning and not have any shame. Well, how do I undo? You don't need to undo. He just sets you free. He's inviting you into that. He's inviting you into a family that sings happy birthday to like anyone because it's about a family. He's inviting you into relationship with him, inviting you to experience life the way it was meant to be and, and also the gift of eternal life. He's inviting you to join his family. He's inviting you just to follow him. I can tell you that too. You decide, hey, you know, I'm just going to follow what Jesus says. You'll be better at life just simply by following what Jesus says. The way he cause, uh, causes us to treat one another, relationships, marriages, you'll be better at life. Even that will just make it better. But he's inviting you into something incredible. And my question is, what's holding you back from that invitation today? What's holding you back from saying, you know what, okay, I'm in. So you remember at recess, we'll go to recess. Remember back at recess where there's all the people on the field and they're picking the teams for like, you know, for the, whatever sport they're playing? You know, and they pick two people like, hey, who's going to, you know, just you decide who's going to pick the team. What's all the other kids doing? They're all like, hey, pick me, pick me, Shrek, pick me, right? Or whatever his name was, pick me. This morning, that's the same thing, that he's just looking at a crowd of people, looking for an individual who says, God, I know that I don't have it all together, but would you pick me? I'll take you up on your invitation. My life's messy, but I'll give that to you if you'll take me. He'll do the rest. He will do the rest. That's on the table for you this morning. Would you join me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your cross that you gave your life for us to change our lives. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We couldn't do it on our own. 
So thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. Thank you for using our stories to reach others. Thank you for Nellie's story, the powerful things you did in her life. Thank you for redeeming, making beautiful what's broken. God, I know there's people here this morning that feel just like that. I, God, I've done my best to share what you've put on our hearts to invite them in. Would you do the rest in, inside their heart this morning as they reach out for you, as they put their trust in you? Would you save them this morning? Father, thanks for this amazing church to be a part of, this incredible family that you've invited us into. into. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May we go out and shine bright for you this week. May we see people the way you see them. God, help us to be just courageous to just share our story or just to simply invite others in to your amazing love. It's in your powerful, amazing name I pray. Amen.